Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's it up to McCaffrey. There he goes. It's a C-Mac attack. This is Desmond Johnson on the Believe and Carolina Panthers podcast. Here on the Believe Podcast Network the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available in your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast on Twitter. On today's episode, a look back at the Carolina Panthers' 23-16 loss to the Chicago Bears in Week 6 and a preview of their Week 7 matchup against the divisional foe, New Orleans Saints. And welcome to the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast. I'm your host, Desmond Johnson. I am joined by my esteemed colleague. He is a 13-year NFL veteran, uh, a former cornerback for the Patriots, for the Panthers, for the Colts. He is the first defensive player ever selected by the Carolina Panthers back in 1995, a first-round selection at that, cornerback Tyrone Poole. What's going on, Ty? How's your week been? Desmond, all is well, all is well. I'm just glad to be on another episode of Believe Panthers podcast. So keep pounding, keep pounding. And we got a lot to dive into uh, this week. Of course, the Panthers are at three and three, six weeks into the season, headed into week seven, uh, losing to the uh, Chicago Bears 23 to 16 last Sunday. We'll uh, we'll dissect that game for you here in a bit with some uh, takeaways that myself and Tyrone had from that. We'll also give you some Panther news from this week. Uh, there was a little bit of a COVID scare over at uh, Panthers headquarters in Charlotte. We'll give you the rundown on that. And we'll also preview for you Panthers versus Saints uh, this upcoming Sunday in New Orleans, a road game for the Panthers. Uh, and we just found out that New Orleans is going to actually have some fans in the stands for the first time all season. So we'll get you totally ready for the Panthers week here coming up here. But first, got to mention our sponsor, and that's Bet Online. Uh, you know, football is finally back. Actually, the Big Ten will be starting, I think, this week. You got SEC playing, ACC's playing right now. The Pac-12 will be playing a, a week or so after uh, this week. And then, of course, the NFL, it feels like it's on like every day of the week, Ty. So we're in heaven right now. Uh, you might not be able to be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there is always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head over to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. That is Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. The Carolina Panthers. Falling to the Chicago Bears at home this past Sunday, 23-16, to 16 was the final in that matchup. And, uh, you know, the first thing we usually do on these podcasts is to go over some takeaways that we had from the game. And I'll be honest, Ty, I didn't want to watch the replay of that game until really a couple minutes before we decided to record this. Uh, it was one of those Panther games for me where I was just like screaming at the TV randomly, <laughs> like all day Sunday, yeah. like something would happen and then... I would scream at a particular player or or a play or whatever it might be, and but the game was weird because it was swinging back and forth in terms of momentum. Uh, there was a stretch where you know Teddy Bridgewater throws an interception, and then the very next play, uh, you know Nick Foles throws an interception right back to Carolina, like boom, boom, like back to back, like it was just so back and forth. 
But my my number one takeaway, uh, and then I'll, I'll turn it over to you to, to give your takeaways, turnovers. I've hammered it all year long. Th- this team has no margin for error, really, just based on their age, their experience. If this team turns the ball over more than the other team, they are probably going to lose the game. Um, and we've had two examples of this now this season, basically carbon copies of each other. Three turnovers in the game against the Bears, and they were early. Two uh, two interceptions from Teddy Bridgewater, uh, a fumble lost by running back Mike Davis. the The Panthers' defense just isn't good enough yet to play from behind. They're 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 better than advertised. I will definitely give them those flowers, but they're not good enough to just lock down a team for a couple of quarters and let the offense uh, score at will. The, the The Panthers almost feel like they have to play ahead. Um, and, and and basically just kind of match scores with whoever it is they're playing against, but they got to score first. And when they give up turnovers, especially early in the game and dig a hole for themselves, it's almost it's almost a struggle watching them dig out of a hole. And even that hole, for the most part, against the Bears, it was never more than really two scores or so. And really it was closer to a one-score game for most of the game. They just couldn't get out of the hole. And they, you know, at one of those interceptions was, well, it was actually overturned, but Teddy had an interception that was ran in for a touchdown, but then it was overturned because of a defensive penalty. Uh, it just seemed like they were real loose with the ball. And for me, turnovers in particular, you got to win the turnover battle, and the Panthers did not do that. They didn't do it against Tampa in week two. Same situation, three turnovers. Uh, they're in a hole. They fight back second half. It just wasn't enough. Same exact game, literally, against the Bears. So, for me, number one thing I, I take away from the Panthers-Bears game was turnovers and the Panthers losing that battle. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that one, Desmond. I had that one down as well, turnovers. You can't win games with turnovers. You can't. Uh, like you said, the fumble, two interceptions, uh, even though the Panthers' defense did get one of those uh, interceptions back, but still yet the Panthers, as a team, they are plus one uh, when it comes to the turnover. Uh, margin and uh, if you're going to be a winner you, you can't be turning the ball over and, and what I look at also from this game uh, with the explosiveness that everybody was so excited about coming into this game uh, this season should I say uh, Robbie Anderson DJ Moore Curtis Daniel you know of course Christian McCaffrey he's out uh, but uh, Mike Davis has been doing a, a pretty decent job keeping the run game going and passing, but, you know, there's no substitute for Christian uh, McCafferty. But when you get the ball down in the first quarter with about 7-12 uh, in the first quarter, third and three on the 10-yard line, and you get several shots at trying to score and you end up kicking a field goal and you're supposed to have an explosive offense. Um, either that's play calling or you just don't have that explosiveness that you thought. Or maybe the Bears was just that good on defense. Then hmm. uh, you go to the second quarter, two minutes left before halftime. Again, first and goal. I think this time you're on the Bears' three-yard line. And still yet, you come away with a field goal. Uh, not only with the turnovers, but when you get in the red zone, situations like that, you've got to score touchdowns. Now, granted, uh, Matt Rule, Coach Rule, um, the, the offense uh, – Brady, they're going to be good. They're going to be good. No doubt in my mind, they are going to be good. But you still got to be able to score when you get in the green zone, as the offense would call it, the red zone, as we call it, as defense, because red means stop. We're trying to stop you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> green means we're trying to get this thing into the end zone. We're trying to cash in. 
You yeah. know, that money dollar dollar bill is green. <laughs> <laughs> so when you get down there in those type of situations, you got to score, Desmond. You got to score. Yeah, it was pretty frustrating watching them get close. And 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 you made an excellent point. Shout out to the Bears defensive front. You know, Hakeem uh Hicks and uh Roquan Smith and Khalil Mack and those boys. That was probably the best defensive front, not only that the Panthers have seen to date, but looking at their schedule, that's probably the best defensive front they're gonna see all year. And the Bears, they they would bend but not break. They they wouldn't let them run into the end zone. It felt like every time Teddy tried to scramble. Uh, it was never like a called scramble or anything, but like if the play broke down and he had some daylight and he took off running, didn't it feel like he was always a yard short of like the line of like the sticks? Like every time he would try to take off running, they would stop him like right before the goal line or right before the first line, uh, first down marker. And I, I know he converted a couple, but it just felt like they were stopping him short. And um, that that was something I noticed too. The, and this has been a problem all year. You know, Teddy Bridgewater's talked about it. Matt Rules talked about it that he wants touchdowns, not field goals. And if they converted these red zone opportunities on Sunday, even with the turnovers, they probably win the game. So excellent point, you know, with the red zone conversion rate, definitely something needs to be worked on. But we do need to give flowers to the Bears defense because they are uh, a top five unit in the league uh, right now. Um, the, and, that's uh, do, and Desmond, that's what you do when you are a team and you're trying to find out who you are. And mm-hmm. that's what the Panthers are trying to find out who they are. Remember, we've talked on couple of other episodes where we talked about the identity identity right. this is how you find your identity when you play against teams like the bears you know what type of defense they got their offense may be struggling as well but we know what type of defense they got so if you're gonna make a name for yourself offensively you want to go against a stout defensive team and this game against the bears really showed the panthers showed us what we need to work on and now maybe the coaches can really tell the players, guys, the things we were telling you before, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, before we even started this season up under this pandemic situation, we are beginning to see what we look like against a great team, a great defensive unit. And that's why anytime a team wins the Super Bowl, that's why every team uses the Super Bowl champion as a measuring stick. So when you win a Super Bowl, you go in to play that next season, Teams are getting up for you. They are getting up for you because you are the champion. Right. If we are considering ourselves as champions, we have to take on and measure ourselves against champions. So this Bears defense was a good measuring stick for the Panthers offense. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, I actually looked at this game as a measuring stick game because the even though the Bears have caught some flack, uh, you know, nationally in terms of uh, you know what the Bears doing, blah blah blah. They still came into this game four and one, and they left five and one, and they're a top. Uh, the NFC North right now with Green Bay. And it might not look pretty, but sometimes football doesn't look pretty. You know, a win is a win. It doesn't matter. You know, style points don't matter. It's in college football. Like, you don't have to worry about polls and, you know, blowing somebody out by 70 points like Clemson did the other night. Uh, But for sure, definitely the Bears are a better team than advertised. And just off that defense alone, I think they're going to be around at the end of the year, too. They're going to they're going to be a factor uh, in the NFC uh, going forward just off that defense. And if Nick Foles can get comfortable and become October and November Nick Foles like we normally see uh, where he plays better as the year goes on, if he's not injured, then, uh, yeah, the, I mean, the Bears might be a, a significant threat. Um, one, another takeaway I took from this game, and a lot of Panther fans ain't going to want to hear this, but it's true. Mike Davis is not Christian McCaffrey. 
Like he he is not. <laughs> I've I've heard all this stuff about Mike Davis needs to get more touches and Mike Davis uh, is the future and he's leading the league and missed tackles and all this other stuff. Well, it was a reality check on Sunday uh, for Mike Davis. Only 52 yards on 18 carries. It was a 2.8 yard per carry uh, average. That is not going to work in the NFL, uh, even though he was playing against the Bears. And, you know, even though we've had some issues on our offensive line, guys missing some games, uh, Greg Little stepped up, uh, you know, at left tackle, uh, you know, because we didn't have uh, Russell Okung. But even beyond that, you know, it just felt like the, the offensive line wasn't getting a push. The Bears were in our sec- or in our backfield all day long, and you know Davis had a good two three game stretch. But once once they took him basically out of the game, the Panthers became one dimensional. And with CMC, you never become one dimensional. He's the best running back in the game, like literally. Like there, I, I would take him over Saquon Barkley. I would take him over Alvin Kamara, who we're going to see this Sunday. There's literally nothing that Christian McCaffrey can't do. And I think us not seeing him for a month, a lot of Panther fans have forgotten how good Christian McCaffrey is, like top 10 player in the league good. And you take that off of an offense, it's going to change what you can do. He's out against the Saints this Sunday. He might possibly be back for the following week. Uh, They didn't have Curtis Samuel available on Sunday, which actually hurt the run game too. Uh, Samuel's been playing like a hybrid wide receiver running back role and taking some carries, uh, which he did in college at Ohio State. And that's kept defenses honest. Without him out there, too, they really were able to focus on shutting down the run game. And uh, to me, it just kind of showed we need McCaffrey back so that this offense can reach its full potential of explosion that was uh, expected at the beginning of the year. They're doing their thing. You know, they're doing their thing, but they can be so much better once they get their number one weapon back. And I'm looking forward to having him back in the arsenal once he's ready, uh, ready to go from this high ankle sprain. Yeah, I'm, I'm a, uh, in defense of Mike Davis and in defense of, of, of what you're saying. Uh, and I hear what you're saying, uh, Desmond, but we all got to understand that a great run, run offense is a great pass offense. So when you look at how the Panthers run their routes, there are a lot of crossing, route, crossing routes. Um, what I would like to see them do is go deep if you can stretch the field then that makes them linebackers step back that makes the safeties step back and now when you do have a player like Mike Davis because he is good enough to be in that backfield that's why he's in the league mm-hmm. you stretch the offense you stretch the defense it opens up gaps think about the game he played against Atlanta the Panther was able to stretch the field that left gaps and he's able to run it so, again, yeah, nothing, taking nothing away from Christian McCaffrey, but if Christian McCaffrey was on this show as well, he would say the very same thing. I'm as good as a running back as my pass offense allows me to be. Right, and, and, I, don't, and I don't want to make it sound like I'm saying Mike Davis sucks or anything, but I mean, he's been very adequate in the role that he's been in the past, you know, basically month. But you and I both know who's the most popular player on the football team, the backup quarterback, <laughs> usually more often than not, just because the fans haven't seen him. They come out, they do a couple things in a burst. People get all excited. And I think people are riding off of that Mike Davis wave for a bit there because he runs very hard. He had a couple of really hard runs uh, this past Sunday. He's still Mike Davis. But I think last Sunday was the first Sunday in the past couple of weeks where I really started missing McCaffrey, like just having his playmaking ability out there. Because we were playing a defense that was able to shut down what we were doing without him. And just it just made my mind run to, well, what if we had McCaffrey in that situation? What would we have done different? Could we have punched it in the end zone instead of kicking a field goal? 
Uh, would that have been an interception? Would he have even gone there? So, I don't know. I'm just, I'm looking forward to McCaffrey coming back. It looks like they're aiming for uh, the Thursday night game, not this uh, week, of course, of playing the Saints, but right after that, they've got a Thursday night game against the Falcons, um, and it looks like they're aiming for that game to be the one where uh, McCaffrey might return. So we'll, we'll find out if he's going to be able to come back from this high ankle sprain um, here shortly. Uh, and then finally, for me, I haven't said all of that about everything the Panthers did wrong on Sunday against the Bears. They still were fighting at the end. They still had a shot, really, to to tie the game uh, deep in the fourth quarter with less than two minutes to go. I left it thinking, you know, even though they lost the game, these Panthers don't suck. Like, they, I think a lot of the national media has been taken aback by how good this Panther team is. They're very sound. They rarely make mistakes. When they make mistakes, then they do lose games. But when they don't make mistakes, usually they let other teams beat themselves. And that just didn't happen on Sunday. Uh, they have the seventh-ranked pass defense, which is amazing to me, considering the age of the defense and who they got playing back there. Um, they've scored 138 points so far through six games, Ty. They've allowed 141. So they've, they're literally the definition <laughs> of a 500 ball club right now, which is fine. But, I mean, for right now, to me, Considering most people only picked them to win three games total for the whole year, for them to be sitting at three and three, six games in, and actually even being a legit part of the NFC playoff race, I'll take that. I'll take that right now. That's that's perfectly fine. Uh, Teddy, for the most part, you know, I've been high on Teddy Bridgewater. I've given him the the tag steady Teddy. He wasn't so steady on Sunday, but again, they were playing a, a top five defense in the league in the Bears. But some of the things that I've been very, very uh, braggadocious about Teddy about, I went and dug a little deeper on it, and I'm not sure if I can give him the same type of love going forward because of what else I'm seeing around the league. Uh, he's been very efficient, fourth in the league in completion percentage right now. He came into that game number one. Uh, even with that game, he left it with a 70% completion rate for the year. He's seventh in the league in passing yards, but these things concern me. He's only got six touchdowns. In six games, he's got five interceptions in six games. That's a major issue at quarterback. Like I, I know some of his other plays kind of mask some of these things, but when Teddy is off, like there's no way around uh, him being off, and he's usually off early. Like he's thrown these interceptions first quarter, second quarter, instead of late in the game, he's putting them in there early in the game and digging a hole and then kind of turning it around. But something I thought that was real interesting, Ty, and you might have a, uh, something to say about this being a former cornerback and the way the rules have changed in the league, plus uh, with COVID and everything, they're not able to really be as physical, I guess, in practices or have as many. Uh, so I'm sure that's affecting the defense. But I went to go look at the, the completion rates of all the quarterbacks that have basically started a certain number of snaps in the, uh, the 2020 season. Every quarterback, there's 32 quarterbacks ranked. Every single quarterback on that list is throwing over 60% completion rate, except for three. The only three quarterbacks in the entire league that are not throwing above 60% are Sam Darnold, Mitch Trubisky, and Carson Wentz. Even Cam Newton is completing at 68% completion rate right now. Uh, is that a is that a abnormality? Is that like something that's not normal? Or are we seeing an evolution of the offensive game to the point where it's harder for defensive backs to cover without, you know, laying hands on somebody or, or, or some sort of contact? Like, what are we seeing here? Because I didn't expect that when I went to go look at it, that everyone is over 60%, except for, you know, 
three quarterbacks. What, what is your take on that? Do you think it's the uniqueness of this season as a whole, or do you think it's just the, the evolution of the game? Yeah, um, I'll answer that question, and then I want to jump back. There's a couple of things I want to add in. Yeah, yeah, sure. Game uh, recap um, that I saw. But I think it's, it's a combination of a lot of things. It's a combination of of cornerbacks being able to play man-to-man, uh, defensive coordinators looking at the personnel and saying, we can't play man-to-man, we got to play more zone. And when you play more zone, it basically is a no-brainer. You run to the open space. And that's why you see a lot of teams doing crossing routes, crossing routes, and you see the receiver just sit in that window. And so, again, the rules don't allow defenses to play like we played during the time that I played, even though I didn't play back when they were like uh, a male black type of play. Oh, the clothesline, <laughs> the Russian yeah, sickles. You know, and <laughs> grab, grab guys and holding guys down. <laughs> That's why they instituted the rules as far as the uh, physical contact by the corner, the corners within five yards, because if they just allowed the defensive backs to play like, they played back with Mel Blunt, uh, Lester Hayes, Mike. Uh, I'm like, you, you, you wouldn't have no yard. If, uh, go back and look at Terry Bradshaw and them. How did the Steelers win the Super Bowl? They won it on the ground. Yeah. That's why the ground game was so big. So what the NFL has done now changed the rules. So now you're forcing defenses to play more zone. Uh, because to play man-to-man, you want your guys to get up there and play press. And when you play press, the object of press is to get your hands on the receiver, disrupt the route, throw out the timing, so it allows your front seven to get there and cause chaos with that quarterback. So, uh, like I said, there's a combination of a lot of things. So you're going to continue to see the completion rate of uh, quarterbacks go up. But what I would like to see in that completion uh, rate information is how many of those passes are being completed zero to five yards, zero to 10 yards, zero to 50 yards. That's what I want to see. That's what that's I'm a great point. Yeah, that's a great. If point. A lot of routes are, are uh, 20 yards and out. Then that's a different thing. You know, if it's five from zero to five, zero to 10, to me, that's kind of like the old West Coast Bill Walsh offense. Mm-hmm. Yep. Short game, passing game is an extension of the running game. So you're probably going to see a high number of those uh, routes short five to, you know, within five yards from the line of scrimmage. And, you know, you're going to have those high completion rates. So, um, but yeah, those numbers can be misscrewed, Desmond. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, you know, and I'll let you get back to your your final takeaways from this Bears game. Um, I, I didn't even think about that really, where the pass game has kind of become an extension of the run game, where guys, a guy we're going to see this Sunday, Drew Brees, he's he's made a living off of it the past three years, where he's just dumping it off five yards out and letting his guys get yak, and uh, that definitely has got to be contributing to that completion rate. So, excellent point there. That's why we're here to give the Panther fans all the information they need <laughs> to make a formative decision. <laughs> and then you said you had uh, uh, some more takeaways from this Bears game. Uh, yeah, definitely, man. Um, you know, like you said, we came out bashing, and now it's time to support. So it's kind of like a scalpel. You know, the doctor, you know, he, got, he got that scalpel. You don't know whether or not that scalpel is going to be used to do damage 
or it's going to be used to do some surgery that's going to heal you. So we've already used the scalpel, <laughs> so <laughs> about, you know, cutting everything up. But now we're going to use that scalpel to trim away that dead skin so that a real live skin can start to grow. So what I mean by that, I look at the Panthers offense. Now, I know when I break it down there, I believe Joe Brady wants to throw the ball more than he wants to run the ball. But I do believe that there is a running game. So that's why I go back to Mike Davis. I'm like, the guy is built for the run. Now, I go back to a situation in the game where the Panthers offense did a heck of a job. I mean, this, it's the fourth quarter, and and, and it's, the ball's on the one-yard line, okay? And they get that rushing touchdown, and they moved the Bears' so-called invincible defense front four. And when you're playing goal line defense, it's – Pin your ears back as a defense and get into that gap. And as they say, just uh, 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 crawl, crawl, bear crawl all the way until you tackle somebody. Mm -hmm. But Panthers offense moved the Bears defense off of the line of scrimmage, probably two yards back into the end zone, and they scored. So that lets me know that that running game is there. We just got to utilize it. On yeah. defense, the running game is beginning to become – the, the uh, Panthers defense is beginning to – Understand, we got to stop the run. They gave the Bears, I believe, 63 yards total, mm -hmm. yep. 63 yards. So it's coming, people. It's coming. It's coming. But we just got to get there fast. <laughs> yeah, we, need, we need this aspirin to work. We need this aspirin to work very fast. Now, this headache been going on for about, about two hours. So <laughs> this aspirin to work quick. Like, the season will be over before you know it. And you'll be playing for next year. But it's there, people, offensively. You can run the game. We got the wide receivers on the outside. You got DJ Moore. You got Robbie Anderson. You got Curtis Samuel. You got what you need. You got a quarterback who is not a scrambler. That's not Teddy's game. So when you flush him out the pocket, that's what you want to do, Teddy. Flush him out. Don't let him sit back there. Teddy is a pocket thrower. So, uh, and then again, like I said, the defense. Hey, if you can stop the run, man, you've already qualified yourself to win a lot of games. Yeah, and I, the Panthers team does kind of feel like by the end of the year, we'll look at their stats and go, huh, I didn't think they would be, you know, number 12 in run defense or whatever when the season started. It feels like it's a culmination. Like you said, they're getting better each week in certain aspects. So when we look at the end of the year, it's not going to tell the same story as us, you know, going week to week, uh, trying to, you know, figure out what this team is. And I think they slowly are. Um, I, I, again, I, I left the game kind of like not – Sometimes you leave a football game as a fan and you're like, man, that team was just better than we were. Like, there wasn't much we could do. They're just a better team. Then sometimes you have some Sundays where the game is over and you're just kind of left with this, like, missed opportunities, kind of, I know what I saw, we should have won that game type feeling. And that carries over into Monday. And that's how I felt this past week. It was like, you know, if Teddy doesn't throw two interceptions in the first half, you know, Mike Davis doesn't lose that fumble we probably going to win that. I mean, we stuck around even with that. And that's what we did before. It's like, it's kind of, it's almost maddening to watch <laughs> the Panthers be this good this early. They're not supposed to be this good. So it's, it's slanting expectations about the Panthers. I think nationally, because even with the loss, I think nationally people are starting to give the Panthers some respect and head coach, Matt rule, offensive coordinator, Joe Brady, who to be honest, is probably going to be a head coach in this league in the next two years. Uh, unless David Tepper just throws a Brinks truck at him to keep him here. Um, but, you know, they're they're getting used to their roles, and I think that game was a learning game, and hopefully they can, uh, you know, 
take that going forward as they're about to take on division rival New Orleans Saints here Sunday at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in New Orleans uh, on Fox, that kickoff there. Uh, some quick Panthers news before we go into that Panther Saints preview. A uh, bit of a COVID scare, uh, Tyrone, uh, at Bank of America Stadium and the uh, Panthers headquarters this uh, this past week. The Panthers put uh, their kicker Joey Sly and uh, practice uh, tackle Trent Scott on the reserve COVID list this week, this past Wednesday. They are the third and fourth play, uh, Panthers to have been added since last Friday. Sly and Scott came in close contact with an infected COVID person. Doesn't mean that they have it themselves, but as a precaution, they've been placed on that list. Now, they can still play this Sunday if they have five days without a positive test. Uh, The team worked remotely on Monday and Tuesday and did not go to the stadium. The facility reopened on Wednesday, and head coach Matt Rule in his press conference mentioned that they had a very physical practice. They want to be a physical team, and the only way to be a physical team is to actually practice that. So they might have went a little harder than they normally would have on Wednesday because they weren't able to even be at the building on Monday and Tuesday. But we'll keep an eye on that because the Panthers have been one of the teams in the league that have had a really low case amount of uh, COVID cases. They've done a really good job with being extremely cautious on that end. Uh, it just goes to show you, Tyrone, you know, this is a silent thing out here that's still there. And uh, we're seeing cases get higher in every state in the union right now. Uh, it hasn't gone away. And we might be in the middle of a second wave. So we just need to be, you know, cautious. Keep your hands washed. Uh, wear your mask, please, people. You know, just so we can get back to some sort of sense of normality uh, everywhere. And uh, we'll just kind of see we'll see how this goes as this progresses on and on into the NFL season. We've made it to Week Seven, and in Week Seven, the Panthers travel to New Orleans to take on division rival New Orleans Saints and quarterback Drew Brees. Um, in this particular game, man. I'm a little concerned because the Saints are coming off of a bye. And typically when the Saints come off of a bye, they play really well uh, the following week. Plus they're at home. Plus they're going to be able to have fans in the stands for the first time all year. Um, I I think, honestly, it's going to come down to the play of Drew Brees. For me, I've been on this train of Father Time is undefeated. I don't care who you are. I don't care what your name is. I don't care what you do. If you are an NFL football player eventually father time will catch up to you. He catches up to everyone. Drew Brees is 41 years old. You look at his stats and they look, they don't look bad. They're, they're kind of average for Drew Brees, which is saying something, but uh, they're not horrible at, by any means, but you kind of catch a feeling that he's, uh, I don't want to say regress. Well, yeah, I guess so. Regressing to an extent from the Drew Brees of old. Um, he's still throwing 71% completion rate. And he's still averaging about 266 yards a game <laughs> in the air. So it's not like he's fallen off the earth. But do you think that Drew has taken a step back in terms of like, like from a cornerback's mind, if you had Drew Brees coming up this week, what are you thinking? Because you mentioned earlier in this podcast about how a lot of these passes are going a lot shorter. Drew Brees seems to be the king of that. So are you even worried about the deep ball versus Drew Brees in this matchup? Uh, yeah, you, you said a lot of lot of things there. Um, number one, um, I don't know if anybody ever seen a a, a snake and then you kill it. Uh, and <laughs> they say, you know, that snake still ain't dead. <laughs> it's not moving. It's, it, it may not be dead. Well, I said it about Drew uh, Drew Brees. Yes, he may be old, but Drew Brees still can throw that football. 
So don't go in there thinking because he's 40 something years old that, oh, he's in his 40s. No, man, he still can throw that football. And actually, I'm actually more scared of a guy who has experience up under his belt because he's seen every defense that you could throw at him. Mm. So he can make changes on the field, kind of like satellite football. Hey, guys, uh, this is what I saw. Uh, this is what I'm seeing. Well, uh, uh, Kamara, this time you run the same route, but this time I'm going to throw it behind you to your right side. So these are things that when you get older, you got as many snaps as Drew Brees, you've seen everything. And also he's in an offense where it's not his choice that Sean Payton wants to build his offense up under the yak, the short uh, yards after the catch, completed short, hit the receiver while they running, and then every once in a while try to go deep. You know, that's just offense that Drew Brees plays in. This is the country that we live in. We can't do anything about the laws, but we got to just go along with what the laws say and be the best at it that we can. So Drew can't do nothing about what the Sean Payton offense looked like, but he can manipulate the plays as far as his experience and what he sees. So, uh, again, whether he's 40 or he's 50 or he's whatever, if he still can throw that football beyond 30 yards, he's still a very dangerous snake. So don't pick him up until maybe tomorrow, maybe next week. (laughs) Maybe it's wishful thinking on my part just from getting torched by Drew Brees over the past, like, I don't know, eight, nine years, just kind of hoping that this is the week that he finally falls off. But uh, more, more than likely, our luck is that that is not going to be the case, knowing Drew Brees and the, the New Orleans Saints. Uh, 1 p.m. kickoff on Sunday uh, on Fox. The The Panthers actually look kind of equipped to defend that passing game, uh, Tyrone. They're only allowing 218 yards per game passing. That's seventh in the league. And, you know, we've talked about it. You know, they're full of young guys, rookies, guys off the street, uh, I think it's a testament to Phil Snow, the defensive coordinator, where he's really got these guys to play hard for him. And you don't really see a lot of big plays on the Panther defense in terms of, uh, you know, like huge pass plays or whatnot. And we're six weeks in, so it's not really a fluke or anything. These guys are playing really hard. Yeah, they are. They are. You know, even when you go back to the Bears game, uh wasn't too many big plays given up. Uh, I think maybe Allen Robinson might have had, I think like I saw like in the fourth quarter, uh, he had a a big catch for about um, about 30, 25, 30 yards, like on a third and nine, something like that. Yeah, that sounds right. And then uh, the defense, if you're going to win games in the NFL, uh, you got to get big plays on offense, and you cannot, you cannot, you cannot give up big plays on the defense. You can't go match for match. You can't, we throw an interception, you throw an interception. You can't go like that. So, uh, yes, Phil Snow, uh, you know, he's bringing these young guys along very, very well. Uh, probably still vanilla to a point with the defense, even though I've seen the Panthers blitz. Uh, I believe that they could blitz more, but uh, Phil Snow has decided to go about it the way he wants to go about it, that is best for the team. Uh, I would like to see the Panthers uh, secondary do a little bit more physical play pressing at the line of scrimmage, but uh, the defense requires them to play off. And I believe as the game goes on, the season goes on, you're going to start to see a change in the defense. And that all comes with experience. I've been there, done that. uh, I've seen it. So I think Phil Snow is doing a great job. But I know as fans, we're like, hey, press, press, blitz, blitz. But, you know, you can't, you can't, as the old saying goes, you can't always kill a fly or a mosquito with a sludge hammer. So sometimes just a little tap would do it. So um, 
the field snow's doing a great job uh so far with these young guys yeah, I've been excited about that, and uh, we won't have you tour uh, Gross Matos this week. He's on the uh, the RR list uh, with an injury, and he was really starting to show some flashes on the defensive end uh, position that he was playing at. So they're just kind of next man up mentality, bringing up the next guy, letting them uh, play. Um, the Panthers actually might be able to get something going on their passing offense, which is their their strength on offense against the Saints' pass defense, which is their weakness. Uh, I didn't realize this, but uh, Marshawn Lattimore, he's actually ranked 103rd out of 116 cornerback uh, backs by Pro Football Focus. Did they have Pro Football Focus back in the day? Were they ranking you guys like this? Where like you could look up each week and see you're the, the Man, 85th cornerback or the third quarterback or whatever? today? What you talking about? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like during, when you were playing during your career, did they have it like this where it was like you literally could look and see out of 112 cornerbacks like where you ranked every week? Cause that would drive me nuts. You talking about back in the day, man. When you talk, yeah, like I played back in the sixties. <laughs> but no, I'm I, I, I wrong though. But no, stats, stats. They, they've always had stats. Always had stats. Why you think teams actually, uh, when they go to do free agency, <laughs> the teams have their own stats. And what they're doing, they're releasing information, more information to the public, so you can get this information. It's almost kind of like if you want to go back, like the, 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 the uh, Kennedy. You know, little by little, uh, they're releasing information about President Kennedy. So, you know, the information has always been there. So when they rank these corners and they rank these quarterbacks, that stuff has always been there. It just they didn't let the public know about it. So, again, just ask yourself, how did they know to pick this quarterback up? How did they know to pick this running back up? Because they kept stats on how they're ranked. Everybody got them. So they just take and break down. What is the completion route? This guy has been targeted five times, and the receiver caught only two passes. He's a good corner. So on all the team's board, free agent board or college draft board, they had that information. They just wasn't releasing it to the public so it could be uh, given so everybody would know what the scouts and teams and the owners and the coaches already knew. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, that's a good point there. It just feels like it's more available to the fans now, I guess. Uh, so the fans are like, oh, that's the third-rated cornerback taking on the eighth-rated rod receiver or whatever. Like, they even show it on, like, Sunday Night Football, like, uh, when they're showing the starting lineups. They'll show, like, the rankings underneath each player's name uh, at the beginning of the game. Yeah. Um, speaking of a player, cornerback Eli Apple, actually, for the Panthers, uh, should be available finally this week. He was uh, a former Giants first-round draft pick, played for New Orleans the past couple of seasons, had been hampered with injury this entire first part of the year. Uh, he It looks like he's probably going to be back for this game, so that's some more reinforcements for the Panthers in the secondary. Uh, I'm a little curious to see what happens with, um, with Michael Thomas, uh, the wide receiver for the Saints, who uh, has had some sort of I guess some sort of internal team thing going on. Uh, I think I heard he got into a fight or something in practice. Uh, They just gave the dude his money. Uh, He just had like a record year at wide receiver last year in terms of uh, number of catches and uh, yards and everything else. He's clearly Drew Brees' number one target. But it sounds like he's becoming one of these disgruntled wide receivers that you see in the league. You know, they get their money, and then it's almost like they just – they aren't the same. Um, and I say this on the heels of news that it looks like Antonio Brown might actually be coming back somehow <laughs> to the league uh, when his suspension ends next week. There's a couple of teams looking at him uh, as we speak, including Seattle. 
So I, I don't know. I'm curious to see how Michael Thomas is going to uh, be in this game. He's listed as questionable, actually, on the injury report right now. Uh, so he would it, would it surprise me if he's a late game scratch? No, something's. I think something's going on there. And then keep in mind too. I'm curious about this Saints team as a whole because no one's really talked about it since the season began. But do you remember back in you know the summer, all the social unrest going on across the country, and Drew Brees had that that, that uh, poor choice of words in terms of the whole uh, the kneeling thing and just what he was saying. Then he had to you know come out and apologize and talk to the team about it later. But do you think that's something that the team just swallowed, or do you think that's still lingering? Uh, with the Saints team, or does it even matter? Like once you get into the season, does it become more focused on, you know, the week ahead and the team in front of you? Yeah, you know, again, you don't become a winning team, a winning organization by squabbling over uh, things that you sit down and you talk about it, and it's over. It's water burning the bridge. Uh, don't do it no more. And that that that's what you do. That's what winning organizations do. But uh, even in families. You know, if you got a family who's real solid, they sit down, they talk about it, they come in together, they sit down at the table, everybody what you think about it. Get it out right now and get it out, say what you got to say, and then it's water up under the bridge. And that's what the Saints did, okay? And for teams that don't win, what they do, they allow not only the media, but themselves to keep that term oil in the locker room. And that's why they don't win. So good teams, they talk about it, voice your opinions, say what you got to say, Everybody see what you got to say? Okay, case closed. Let's move on. So I believe that's what the Saints have done. And they're 3-2 and two on the season uh, coming into this matchup. Like I said, they had an early bye last week. Uh, they've had basically two fourth-quarter comebacks uh, down uh, late in games, coming back to win. Their last win, they just came back and won in overtime uh, pretty improbably, to be honest, because uh, they were down for most of that game. Um keys to this matchup and it kind of follows along the same type of logic that i was saying before the panthers just need to score early you know if they get the the opening kickoff or whatnot and they're going down the field don't settle for three points like they've got to make it a concerted effort to score immediately uh and to stay in front of them because the saints in particular they're not a team that you're going to want to try to come back on because they got a pretty decent defense, uh, Cameron Jordan and all those boys. You don't want to get in a 14 and nothing hole early against the Saints in Mercedes-Benz Stadium in New Orleans with them coming off of a bye where they can just pin their ears back and just come after Teddy Bridgewater uh, in this offensive line for Carolina. I think they need to score early. The passing game needs to just take it to the next level. You've shown what you can do with Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore. Uh, we haven't really incorporated a tight end into this offense yet. And I don't know if they can uh, with in Thomas being the tight end and Chris Manhurts is more of a blocking tight end. I'm not really sure if they're really even looking to do that, but the passing game to me, okay, you've shown you can play at a certain level every week. If you don't have turnovers, if you're playing clean football, you're going to play pretty well. But I feel like it's almost in the verge of being pedestrian, like predictable. Cause even now I can, I kind of, can look at it while I'm watching it and go, okay, he's going to Robbie right there, or he's going to DJ right there. Like he, it feels like something else. And it might be McCaffrey. McCaffrey coming back might be the spice that you know it needs just to kick it up to another level. But they don't have him this week, so uh, I'm looking for a big game from Robbie Anderson, uh, a big game from DJ Moore, and from Teddy Bridgewater, a bounce back game because uh, he played the worst game maybe in this the past five years of his career uh, on Sunday, when you look at the stats and uh, what the Bears did to him, 
he should have way more opportunities against the Saints. So I'm looking at the passing game, taking it up a notch. Yeah, you you hit on a few of the points that I, I like as well. Uh, number one, uh, the bye week. The Saints are going to come out, and they are going to be fired up, baby. I'm telling you, they're going to be fired up because they are an explosive team. They pride themselves as being a fast-starting team, putting points up, throwing the ball. So I expect them to come out and try to reestablish uh, where they were before they went into the bye week. So, uh, or if they thought they were struggling going into the bye week with a particular uh, incident uh, on offense or or run game or pass game, I expect them to come out and do that, even though we know they are more of a passing game. So I'm thinking that they're going to throw the ball. They're going to throw the ball, and Drew Brees going to try to get into a tempo. He's going to try to get into a flow. That back foot hit, that ball coming out. So the Panthers defense going to have to do a great job of getting him off the point making Drew Brees go to his third, fourth read. And that's when Drew Brees is not truly Drew Brees. He is a great quarterback when he drops back and that back foot hit and that ball is coming out. But if you can get Drew Brees to drop back and that back foot hit and it's not there, and he got a turn to go to the second read, third read, then he's not as great as he is when everything is clicking. Um, Again, with them playing with the fans, you know, that's going to be another incentive for them to really kind of get even more juiced up. So not only are you coming out the bye week and you got to get back into the flow because there is no more bye weeks uh, for the Saints. So this is where every team that has a bye week, they study themselves. Not only do they prepare for their opponent coming up after the bye week, but we sit and we study ourselves. Where did we mess up before we go went into the uh uh, break. Uh, so the Saints are going to be well prepared offensively and defensively. For the Panthers, again, man, that play action, run Mike Davis, play action. I think Ted Bridgewater, he's excellent when you give him an opportunity to really uh, see gaps in the defense. And that run game is going to give him the opportunity to see those gaps. So that's why the, the run game sets up the pass game. If, you know, you got a quarterback that's not really that guy. And Teddy Bridgewater is a great quarterback, uh, but he's more of that guy who's still learning the Panthers offense, but he has the ability. So um, again, I just think that the Panthers uh, can have an opportunity to, to come out of uh, Louisiana. <laughs> <laughs> They can't have opportunity as long as nobody goes on to Bourbon Street. Uh, the Panthers, <laughs> they should have an opportunity. But the Saints, man, when they play at home, uh, that's, you know, they're just real good. Uh, they're real good. So I'm looking forward to the game. I think it's going to be a good game. Teddy Bridgewater, you know, he's going to be excited because this is his former team. And I know when I played against my former team, I'm like, boy, look at here. I was hyped up, ready to go. <laughs> I was sure that was a game that I had a great showing. And Teddy did not have a great showing against the Bears. So I'm looking for Teddy to say, hey, Drew Brees, you remember me? Hmm. <laughs> do you uh, have a, uh, before we get out here, do you have a prediction on the game? Uh, who's going to win, score? <laughs> you know, I got to go to the Panthers. If the Panthers do what I said, they get Drew Brees off of the mark, and they control that passing game of the Saints. And if they can utilize that play action and make a few plays here and there, I know that's a lot. I know that's a lot. And get that ball deep, man. Stretch that secondary, like you said, of the Saints and hit those big plays. I think the Panthers can come out of there. So we're moving. Yeah, I, I'm, uh, I think they're going to attack the, the secondary for the Saints. Um, 
I expect Mike Davis to have a bounce back game as well as Teddy, like you mentioned there. I think Robbie Anderson's going to be a huge key in this game, especially if they get Lattimore on him for most of the game. I think they can really take advantage of that. It's indoors, uh, which actually kind of sets up nice for the Panthers offense in terms of them being a track team uh, indoors. We might be able to see more of that speed. I'm leaning towards the Panthers too. I'm not buying the Saints brand right now. I know they're three and two. Uh, a lot of people picked them to win this division, but I think they just kind of looked average, really, for most of this season. They've been uh, not lucky, but they've come from behind a couple of times to win some games. They don't seem like the Saints for the past couple of years, the defending uh, NFC South champs. I'm picking the Panthers to win this game, too, and I think it's going to be right around what we've seen the past couple of weeks, kind of like a 23-16 to 16 type of game, a one-score possession game. Drew might have it late in the game. Defense might have to make a stop type of thing. Um but, yeah, I'm going with the Panthers on this as well, uh, same as you. And I'm going to basically the same score, 23-16, that it seems like the Panthers have either on the winning side or the losing side. Uh, the past couple of weeks, they've been floating right around that that scoring margin for both teams. So I'm going to go there, and the Panthers go to 4-3 and three on the year. On a short week, they'll be going to see the Atlanta Falcons following this on a, a Thursday night game that'll be – on uh, if I'm not mistaken, NFL Network. I think Amazon Prime carries uh, the Thursday night games. They used to run them on Fox and CBS, but I'm not sure if they're doing that this year. We'll have some info for that for you guys next week uh, on the Believe in Panther podcast. That's uh, that's it for us this week for Believe in Carolina Panthers. You can listen to this uh, episode and all episodes previously of the Believe in Panthers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and more. Or just go to Believe.com, search for uh, Believe in Carolina Panthers, and you can find us there. You can follow Tyrone Poole on Twitter at TyronePool38. You can follow my, uh, me on Twitter at Dez, D-E-Z underscore 3505. And uh, we will check in with you guys next week. Panthers versus Saints, 1 p.m. this Sunday. Kickoff on Fox. Keep pounding. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.